At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Son of a Butch podcast. We come to you every Wednesday. I'm your host, Claude Harmon. This week's guest, we've had him on back in 2021, my uncle Bill Harmon, one of the best teachers on the planet, um, my dad's fourth brother, so the youngest of the Harmon brothers. But the reason why I wanted to get him on is at age 73, he went back on the bag for Bill Haas last week in the Amex, caddying on the PGA Tour, caddied for Jay Haas for so long and as much as being a player and was part of Billy's DNA, as much as being an instructor is part of his DNA, what is the biggest part of his DNA is being a caddy. And I thought it was fascinating to talk to him about that experience with Bill last week and to kind of get his views. He's an old school guy, um, speaks from the heart, from the hip, and it's a good one. But before we get to Billy... Our friends at Cobra Golf have a new driver out. It's the Dark Speed. Three models this year tailored for different types of players. The LS model, that's low launch, low spin. So that's going to be the one that if you're trying to get that spin down, if you're hitting down on that golf ball and it's spinning too much, the LS will be the one for you. They've got an eight degree LS model eight degree launch or loft, which they kind of think of as their kind of race car. It's their fastest one. So if you're looking for speed, if you're looking for distance, that eight degree in the LS, take a look. Then you've got the X, which is kind of combo of both worlds. It's got low spin. 
It's got super fast ball speed with a lot of stability. It's got a new forward weight, which is going to help people kind of maximize where that spin is and maximize the spin they're getting off the, the driver. And then you've got the Max, which is the most forgiving of the three, highest MOI. And that's going to be the one that if, listen, if you're not hitting it in the center of the face all the time, that's going to be the one that you're going to want to get. Cobra Golf, their driver's, I like them. I, I really do. I, I like the way they look. I like the way they feel. And I like the way they perform. Um, if you're looking for a new driver in 2024, give the Cobra Dark Speed a good look. And now let's go ahead and get to a really, really fun and informative interview with my uncle, Bill Harmon. My guest is my uncle, Bill Herman. Uh, Billy, we had you on the pod in the first year in 2021. And, um, you know, there's so many stories going on in professional golf right now. And it seems to be all about money and fighting. And yeah. I think your your story about, you know, you going back at, at how old are you? What are you sick? What are you? How old now? 73. 73. You caddied last week on the PGA Tour for Bill Haas. Um at 73 years old, it's um, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, there's nobody out there caddying that's your age. I mean, there's some old guys out there, but there's nobody caddying that's your that, age of, I think on Fluff tour. Probably has me. Uh, Fluff, Fluff might be Fluff uh, might a little be. older than I think I am, but um, uh, there weren't too many I didn't see anyway. How did it come about? I mean, obviously, the history we've talked about it before, but when did you start caddying for Jay Haas? You know, I started with Jay in 1978. Um, I'd worked for my brother Craig at Oak Hill uh, in the 77 season. And I got uh, uh, just totally soured on the country club business. <laughs> yeah. my, my dad told me that I had a 30-mile-per-hour brain and a 100-mile-per-hour mouth. And I seemed <laughs> to prove that at every job I went to. So... Uh, I actually left Craig early. I couldn't finish the season because I was uh, just disenchanted with the golf business. And I I went up to uh, the Russian River area of uh, Northern California to find myself. And unfortunately, I did. <laughs> and uh, I ran out of money. And there was a guy who played at Wake Forest with Jay named Lex Alexander, who was working for my dad at the time at Wingfoot. Right. And Lex called me up and said, Jay just won the San Diego Open, uh, looking for a caddy, he's exempt. I don't know if you've ever heard this whole story, but so I came down to the desert and I met him. And he told me to meet him at uh, Orlando in two weeks at Rio Pinar's where they played the tournament in Orlando. And I got off the plane with my luggage and I had $40 to my name. And it was a $20 cab fare. And uh, I got to the course on a Monday and I saw somebody that I knew and they asked me what I was doing there. And I said, I'm caddy. And they said, for who? Jay Haas. And they said, well, we just found out that he failed to commit. <laughs> so now I got $20 to my name. I got no job. I got my suitcase with me. Uh, at this time, I'm overtaking your father as the biggest jerk in the family. It's a, <laughs> it was high going into this thing. Which in the old days, you know, I mean, obviously I we all know who my, to get even with him. And obviously we all know who my dad is now and who he's become. But if you think about the four brothers, you know, my dad, Craig, Dick, who sadly passed away and left us too early, and yourself, 
you and my dad were the black sheep and Craig and Dickie were the straight arrows. And you wouldn't yep. think, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast who see who my dad, who Butch Harmon has become now, they don't realize what a, what a, he was a lost soul and a rebel oh, and, for sure. you know, and, you know, didn't have it easy and stuff. So it's no surprise that in the seventies that you and Butchie were well, fighting for low man on the totem pole. They had a, a Monday qualifying. So I was looking to see if I just knew anybody because I had to get a hundred dollars from somebody. I mean, I couldn't live. I have no job. I, I don't have a place to stay. I got a suitcase. So Terry Deal was from Rochester, New Terry York. Terry Deal. Yep. I'd played junior golf with him. I knew Terry. I played many tours with him. So I went out on the course and lo and behold, Lynn Strickler was caddying for him. I'm not really ashamed of this story, but the truth is that I did have a good bag of weed from Northern California with me. <laughs> and Lynn was for caddying on this hole. And I thought I'd introduce myself by asking him if he wanted to smoke a joint. <laughs> So this is how this caddying thing starts. So I, I finally talk to Terry, tell him I'm shooting bad. Lynn thinks I'm the greatest guy in the world, and I still love him to this day. And Terry says, you know, I just got a new car in Rochester, New York. I'll fly you up there. I'll give you a couple credit cards, and you can drive it down to Doral. So now I have a week of living, which when you have 20 in your pocket is, is a heck of a, I, I feel like a millionaire. So I fly up to Rochester. And I tell Craig my story. Of course, this, you know, goes through the family. Another Billy story, not a butch story this time, a Billy story. And when I left Rochester in August, I thought I had $50 in the bank. Well, when you only got 20, 50 is looking pretty good. So I went to the bank, I had 500. Man, I'm liking this tour, you know. So in the meantime, Craig had called dad to say he can't believe what Billy did. He showed up in Orlando with $20 and the whole thing. And now he's up here going to drive Terry Deal's car. My dad says to Craig, well, give him a thousand dollars. I don't want him walking around with nothing and I'll write you a check. Okay. Which my dad was a very generous man. So now I got 1500. I'm liking this tour. Well, 1520, I guess, technically. <laughs> Don't forget the 20. <laughs> <laughs> so now <clears throat> I pick up Terry's car and I'm driving down to Miami. I've got plenty of time to get there. And I swear to God, about an hour outside of Manhattan, I started getting the sweats because I'm saying, okay, Bill, just drive straight over that bridge. Do not take a left. Do not take a left. Do not take a left. Because I have many childhood friends who lived in the city. And, uh, do not take a left. Do not take a left. Do not take a left. I go left. Took a left. <laughs> so I stay there three days. I remember I spent 600, so that wasn't too bad. So I still had 920. But now I have to drive straight through. I'm tired. I'm beat up. And I'm so disgusted with myself. Why did I make this decision? It just seemed like my whole life I couldn't make the right decision. Now I got to drive straight through and I'm tired. I got no shot really to do this. And I drive across the George Washington Bridge, and I'm just soaked in self-loathing and hatred. And I see these two college kids, a little cardboard sign says Fort Lauderdale. And I pull over and I said, you're my guys. I said, there's only one stipulation. <clears throat> I'm paying for everything, but I ain't driving. You two are driving, and we're driving straight through. And I'll be rolling the joints in the back seat. And we're going straight through to Fort Lauderdale. And that's how my caddy life started. And the very first tournament, uh, CH, 
<laughs> we were paired with Nicholas. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and so that was my basically my first week on tour, other than, of course, you know, uh, catching clubs uh, like javelins coming at me, heading for your dad in the 69 Canadian Open. But uh, that's how it started. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you look at what the PGA Tour has become today, with mm -hmm. all this talk about live and the money and all of this stuff, I mean, the PGA Tour is still just, it is an amazing organization. It's an amazing product. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. when you look at caddying in the 70s versus going now in 2023 <laughs> to a PGA Tour event where there's courtesy cars and free laundry and there's, there, I mean, I oh, yeah, Bones Mackay. Bones, Mac and everything. Um, Bones Mackay has made so much money, caddying, he could probably fly private. I oh, mean, I that's think he probably how could. Crazy yeah. Yeah. caddying has become. But I think, um, CH, when we were, when I started, uh, I think the first three tournaments at J1 that I caddied for in first place was 40,000, but 40,000 was a lot back then. Yeah. And so if first prize is 40,000, that's what first prize is. And so, uh, and I look back on those days, um, none of us had any money, the caddies. Uh, we took great care of each other. If someone needed a hundred to get out of town, you gave it to them. Uh, many weeks we slept three or four in a room. Um, and there was a camaraderie there that happens when people are poor. I mean that. And, and, and you bond together in different ways when, when you're there for each other. Plus, we didn't know any different. And so uh, we would pack four in a car that couldn't fit four. And we'd drive through the night to some tournament. And, um, I mean, the money today is great. It's a much greater life. and all. I wouldn't trade anything for those first three or four years because um, all of those people that I traveled with today are still lifelong friends. And I think we're lifelong friends because we didn't have all the advantages that they have today. And I think the advantages today are fantastic. I wish I was still caddying. Uh, but I, I'm kind of like Bob Golby told me one time, uh, the first three tournaments Bob won in the 60s, his total winnings was 7,500. And he said, you know what? That was more money than I ever had. And I was a truck driver's son and I was winning tour events and I was playing golf for money. And he never begrudged the players the money they made one bit. I don't begrudge the caddies what they make one bit or the players. I do think they're spoiled, though, to be honest with you. I do. So it was kind of funny last week I was there. I didn't know hardly any caddies, maybe four. So a lot of them were kind of looking at me like, who's this bozo? You know, and I'm thinking to myself, PayPal, this is my seventh decade. So you just better back it up a little bit, you know. <laughs> but those were great days. And I and I, I, I think back on it, the caddying on the PJ Tour is the greatest job I've ever had in golf. Like I said to this day, I still have the friends that I had then. I, I love them. And I think part of it is Jackie Burke said one time that humor usually comes from uh, poor people because they use laughter to get through the day. And I think we use laughter a lot because nobody really had any money. I mean, I guess if you won 10 percent, you won 4,000. Uh, Caddy today can't mark his ball with $4,000. That'd be a bad week for him. You know, it's yeah. a great week. So I. I I had a blast. I wouldn't change. How it. was it? How was it? I mean, listen. I mean, I've, I've, I was lucky enough to caddy on 
who were twice in my life. Once for my father um, in the Quad City Open. Yeah, yeah. Um, he didn't make the cut, oh, but um, oh, I him for him. And, uh, yeah, um, what what was it? The oak, it was the old Pete Dye course across. Yeah, the yeah, it was a, a funky course. I caddied for him there too. Yeah, and then I caddied once for Steve Elkington the week before he won the the first Players Championship back when wow. Butchie worked <clears throat> at, in New Orleans. Ooh, man! And that, that this is a true story. This is a true story. We got paired with Scott Hoke and Chip Beck. Oh. Right. <laughs> and on the first hole, Scott Hoke, one, of them, one of them is the Ayatollah, and the other one's Mother Teresa. <laughs> on the first hole, Scott Hoke's got like a forty-footer, and it doesn't go in. And he's just livid on the first hole on Thursday in the morning. And on Friday, Chip Beck lipped out a three-footer to miss the cut. And he said to his caddy, Smiley, you remember Smiley? Oh, yeah, I saw him the other day. He, he said to Smiley, you just got to love having a chance to make the cut out here. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And it that's his forced. <laughs> but that's the spectrum, right? And how was it? I mean, obviously, Billy, at your age, in your early 70s, carry, I mean, carrying the golf bag. I mean, those bags are not, did he give you the full staff bag or did you? No, was he it didn't. A I'm in good shape. I, I, I work out uh, twice a week with a trainer. I, um, I've lost about 20 pounds. It, was, it wouldn't have been a problem for me. My shoulder might have hurt, but my legs and everything. No, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have good health. You know, I've, as you know, I've beat throat cancer and alcoholism and addiction. And so I, I, my, my last two mulligans, I hit down the middle of the fairway. So I'm in good shape. So did you I go big bag? Like, I just look like I'm not. <laughs> did you go big staff bag or did you go carry bag? He brought a carry bag, a little pipeless carry bag, you know, with the stand and everything. So there was a part of me that really wanted the big bag because, you know, I wanted to prove that I could do it. But it didn't, I didn't bother me that I had the little one. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. 
Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your relationship with Jay Haas has been, you know, he's one of your best friends. It's been a lifelong friendship i know you love him like a brother and you know bill haas uh, is named after you and your yeah. firstborn son is named after jay it's it, jay haas so, yeah, so but- a, i would say in some respects ch that um the the public doesn't know that i call you ch because you notice but i've called you that my whole life it just comes out naturally um i was actually in the house the Haas home when Bill Haas was born. And I was somewhat responsible because uh, I went back to the room that I was staying in and it was across from Jay and Jan's room. And Jan was very pregnant and she was making these like unbelievable noises and sounds. I, I just never heard noises like this painful stuff. And so I went out to Jay and I said, boy, I think Jan is struggling. He said, ah, they're just labor pains. No big deal. I said, it ain't no labor pains. Son. <laughs> he was born 30 minutes later. Wow. He was about to come out right then. So <clears throat> in some ways, it's hard for me to caddy for Bill or Jay because I'm too close to him. They mean too much to me. Um, so it's hard for me not to get emotionally involved, although I'm good at it because I've done it all those years, three, 350 tournaments with his dad. And I'm good at turning that on and off. But, you know, if they have a bad day, you know, your emotions are 
that of uh, someone like your son. You know, you just feel bad and you know you can't do anything about it. If you're caddying for a guy that you really don't care for and it's just a business, it really doesn't bother you that much for the guy when you're leaving the course, you know. And so um, it's always hard for me to caddy for for either Bill or Jay because I am too close to him, you know. And and I'm rooting so much as a friend for him. I never think of what it means to me. And I told this story the other day on the Golf Channel, but what no one really knows, I don't think I ever told you this story, but when my first son, Zach, was born in, in Rhode Island, you know, I was still drinking and drugging. And uh, I remember this day looking in the back seat, even though, even though Robin and I had the seat turned the wrong way. <laughs> and I saw this little thing that was a day or two old, and I never felt more in love in my life with something. And I remember looking out the window and, excuse my language, but I never felt like a bigger piece of shit, you know, that this kid's dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And that's where the, I think that's where my bottom started. I'd love to say I quit that day, but it was about 10 weeks later when an intervention was done. But about two weeks before the intervention, um, Zach woke up in the middle of the night like he always did around two in the morning and Robin would go feed him. And I'd been drinking that night before and it bothered me that he woke me up. How about that? That's a good guy, huh? That's a good dad. And I remember as soon as Robin woke up, I, I felt like the most worthless piece of shit on the planet. I... I I had self-loathing that if she wasn't there, I wouldn't have been able to take care of him. That's the bottom line. He would have been an a, a inconvenience to me. That's, that's what alcohol and drugs do to people. And we lived right above the 18th green in the clubhouse at Newport Country Club where there's balcony. And she went back to sleep, and I went out in that balcony, and I, I contemplated doing a swan dive. I, you know, I didn't have the guts to do it, but I, I felt like I didn't want to be around anymore. Now we'll fast forward to... June of 2024, which is coming up, the senior open is at Newport Country Club. You can't make this story up. No way. It's Hattie for Jay. <laughs> and the 18th green sits right below the balcony that 1992 I was going to commit suicide on. And if anybody's struggling with alcohol and drugs, and thinks that your life can't turn around. I'm going to look up at that balcony and I'm going to think, man, what a lucky guy I am because there was a day. So yeah, I don't think, I'm not a, a religious guy. I would say I'm spiritual. I don't think a human being could write that story. No. Because they wouldn't, Hollywood wouldn't accept it. It's too corny. Well, they could write it, but, Billy, no but would nobody it. would believe it. And that's a factual statement. So the same guy that showed up for $20 in Orlando, <laughs> wanted to jump off this building you know in the year 2024 we will end our our caddy relationship right below that balcony you can't you can't make that up so uh, i'm a really lucky dude to say the least it must be amazing for you to caddy for a player like bill who i don't think bill gets enough credit for being as good a player as he was i mean i think we all yeah. think given the talent billy ha bill had as a player you know, to have only six wins. I mean, he won the first FedEx, but I mean, he was such a, like a natural talent. Yes. Um, you're caddying for someone that you watched be born. 
<laughs> in your 70s and now you're on the tour and yeah. you're in and, and and again you couldn't write the script right palm springs you're caddying for bill haas in palm springs where you grew up i mean you you grew up in palm springs. yeah it's an amazing story um is caddying different today billy than it was when you started you know um sure i, I think the um you know, the game is so different. Uh, the players are so different. And um, nowadays, um, you know, if you look at the way the game has grown, I don't know, I'm going to just say the last 30 years, with the AJGA, you know, the junior tours, they play more tournaments than pros play. And they have college recruiters out there. So everybody's doing something for someone when they're teenagers. So they get used to this. And then they get recruited and they go to college and everyone's doing something for them. And it seems like, and you've been out there a lot more than I, but a lot of these good college players will bring one of their college teammates out, caddy form. And if you're playing in a major college uh, as, a, as a college player, even if you don't get your card, you're still a good player. Yeah, so you yeah, know the sure. game and you know the player. And so I think the the caddying part of it has changed dramatically in that sense that good young players are bringing good young players out to caddy form. And then once they get the drift of all the ins and outs, but you have so much information today, which is good. And so I think the, obviously, I think the quality of caddying has probably improved just as the teaching has improved and stuff because of information. But you were lucky and your dad and I were lucky. You see, we learned to teach before we had this information. So you and I and your dad have the benefit of using our eyes before we had all this stuff, which makes you doubly good. And so I think the caddies today, it's a more of a profession to us, to be honest with you, it was a big party. It really was. And there wasn't that much money. We were, you know, every town was, we were in the circus. You know, <laughs> uh, I think it was more fun then, but for the living they make now. And uh, you can see it. You can see it. I, I, we played with Chess and Hadley and uh, his caddy, Barry BW, they called him. He's a great caddy. Very professional, really good. I watched him. I watched him interact. I like watching that interaction. As you know, all the years you've been out there, uh, Brooks has had a great caddy for a long time. Dustin, Ricky Elliott, one of the best. You know, and uh, I, I think what people don't realize about caddying is there's a rhythm to it, and every player has a different rhythm. And every I, when I caddied for Curtis Strange, he would uh, no stone would be unturned on a. a selection between an eight and a nine iron you know it'd be a discussion like war and peace or something but if the next week i caddied for lanny i you know i'd get the yardage i'd say all right we got 170 to the front that's 186 to cover the left bunker it's one what, what do you like <laughs> wait a minute i haven't even given you the final you know what i mean <laughs> i haven't even told you where the pin is <laughs> what do you like billy and so you you have to get into a rhythm. And if you don't caddy for a guy like with Bill, you know, I caddied for him at the the President's Cup in Australia when he won the FedEx Cup. So I don't know, what's that, 15 years ago or whatever it was. I don't even know how long ago. So you're always a little bit um, uncomfortable because you don't know when to step in and say something. So when I caddied for Jay, I knew when to say something and I knew when to shut up.
Yep. I had here enough for Curtis uh, to always shut up. <laughs> 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 I, um, Lanny, um, I tell the story that we were in South Africa. Uh, I think it was the, maybe the first Sun City event that they advertised a, a million dollars winner take all. I think everybody got a hundred. We played in the skin game uh, in Durban, I believe, the weekend before with Payne Stewart, Curtis, and Bernhard Langer. And Lanny won about 250000 there, so I was already up. And he's he's tied for the lead after two rounds with Langer. Now, Lanny's the fastest player in the world, and Langer's the slowest player, you know. And it's you've been down there. It's 190 degrees. Oh, man, it's hot. <laughs> it's just hot. It takes the skin off your ears. And the second hole uh, was a par five, and Langer drove it in the jump. It's one of my great stories of all time. And Lanny hit a beautiful drive in that long, narrow green with these necks in it. And the pin was way in the back right. He had 286 to the flag, but it's elevated a mile, so it's, you know, two, whatever, 250 or something. And he said, what do you like, Billy Boy? And I said, like a three-wood left. We'll have a nice angle to pitch to. He goes, oh, no. He says, I can peel a driver off that bunker. And get it close, he says. You know, I'm kind that of is like, such a Lanny comment. But he means it though. Oh, one hundred percent. That's it's not BS with him. So I'm like, what did this guy just say? He's going to hit a driver for a million dollars. You know, he's going to get a deck. And he hit the best shot I've ever seen in my life. Maybe he started exactly where he said he was going to hit it. It started cutting. The green's like sixty yards deep. It lands about ten yards into the green, and it starts rolling at the hole like a putt. And it's getting closer and closer. Next thing you know, the people go nuts. He lifts it out two feet by. So Langer has chipped out. He hits like a four iron on the green about 40 feet. And he makes it for birdie. <laughs> so Lanny gets in there with this kind of interesting setup. You know, he's probably going to get upset. I'm going to tell the story. But the, t the day before we were on the putting green, he asked me to hold their umbrella over him. It was so hot. And I'm, I'm, I'm holding this umbrella in South Africa saying, boy, I've really come a long ways in my life. <laughs> and he said, how's my setup, Billy boy? And if you ever remembered, every one of his angles was different. I said, what hole you button? What hole you aiming? Hey, he, you know, he started doing all this. <laughs> I haven't paid you yet. I'm on a lot of tournaments with that. I said, I know, I know. I was just joking, you know. So he gets in there. And he misses it. No way. And he reaches over the backhand and he misses that. <laughs> he makes five. Langer makes three. You've been over that course, haven't you? No, I've seen it on TV, though. Okay. Anyway, the third hole is very tight, and he would hit a four-wood. And if you, it's one of those holes, if you drove it out of play, you make triple. So, of course, his driver head cover was made out of mink. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So, <laughs> I put the pin in, and the first thing I see is the mink head cover on by the bag. He's not going with the layup, you know. <laughs> so now I don't really caddy for him. You know, I've caddied for him a few times, but am I in a position to give him a speech, you know? Right. So I, I'm thinking as I'm walking to the tee, you know, maybe he's just hot now. I can hand him the three wood or do something. Well, he's standing on the other side of the tee, which means I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> so much for this, this story. So he had these slacks made, you know, tailored slacks, I think from a company in Cincinnati called Hamilton. I, we've got this kind of memory. 
And he had a pocket where he kept a ball. He had a ball pocket and a coin. The ball fit in there perfectly. I'm telling you, this, this, is, such a, this is such a Lanny Watkins story. So, I love Lanny, by the way. He's great. And so I'm watching him over there. He's not looking at me. You know, he's not looking at me like, please talk me out of this bad decision, Bill. You know. <laughs> so Langer, after taking 27 minutes to hit his layup, <clears throat> Lanny walks on the tee and he pops the ball out of this pocket like a pimple. And the ball starts rolling towards the T-markers. It's rolling, and he's walking after it. And where it stops is where he hits it from, with the driver. Off the deck. Off the deck, doesn't tee it up, nothing. And hits the exact same shot he hit on the second hole, the prettiest shot you ever saw in your life. So now I'm thinking, you know, we got 34 holes, shot back. You know, I'm going to be... Bob Rotella before Bob Rotella, you know. So I, I come up with this brilliant speech. I said, I come on, Lanny, you know, we're really playing good. You know, all the BS that you'd say. We're only one back, got 34 holes, just got to be patient. He looks at me, he says, Bill, I'm going to clean it up. But he says, patience. No, it's a podcast. You can say it. The Billy boy, patience is for fucking losers. <laughs> Don't ever tell me to be patient. I want it fucking right now. So I said, okay, in the last 10 minutes, I've gone O for everything. <laughs> everything that I'm thinking is good is wrong. <laughs> everything that I've said to him is basically get as far away from it as, as you can here, Chuck. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was my best Lanny story. And I loved him. He was great to work for. Uh, he was great to work for, really. And his bravado was truly real. Real. Truly real, and he could hit the shot that he was talking about. He could always back it up. And he'd been a, a good putter. I'd say he was an average putter for a great player. And I think it's hard to be a great player without being a really good putter anyway. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. I, I just don't think, you know, there's maybe BJ, but on the whole, if you're an I average think DJ putter, would be the only hit one. it that good, you know. So I thought if he, if he ever was a good putter, man, he would have won double the tournament he won, I think, because he was that good. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. 
Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you talk about the rhythm and about, you know, if you don't caddy for someone all the time, understanding them. So the obvious question, Zeitz, is what do you think makes a great caddy? Question's a very easy answer. A great Good player. player. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Well, I say this and some of my tour caddy friends don't like it because every now and then I'll put it on Facebook or something. This is how I feel. Well, you've been out there, so yep. you can dispute it. You know more about this stuff than I do. Hey, I, hey, I, I learned from I learned from my dad, but you told me early on, find good players, right? Okay, bad player, good caddy, bad player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good player, bad caddy, good player. <laughs> good caddy, good player, slightly better player. That's what I would say. But if you can't play, it doesn't make any difference how good you yeah. can. It just sounds- yeah, so I look at I look at the the relationship that I've been lucky enough to to watch up close. Um, you know, both from Brooks and Ricky Elliott, but also from DJ and his brother All right. AJ. Right. I mean, absolutely. So I think they I think both of those two, Ricky and, and and Austin, I think they're both world class caddies. I think they do a great job. I think they have a great absolutely. understanding of 
the player, obviously, AJ has a great understanding of his brother. I think Brooks and Ricky Elliott at this point might as well be brothers. I mean, they're as close as you can get. Well, let me let me speak. I don't. I've never met Ricky. I, I've, I've met Brooks. He couldn't pick me up. Uh, pick me out of a lineup. So I don't really know either one of them at all. Five majors. Five. Okay. So I figured out one time that a caddy's asked at least a thousand questions a tournament, and you can't say uh, I'll get back to you in five minutes on that. So you have to have an answer right like this all the time. So think of the back nines on Sundays that Ricky is caddied for Brooks. And the great decisions as he's had to make that Brooks has trusted him with. And he has to make them like that. And so, you know, if you're playing the, the, the 17th hole at Augusta on Sunday and the pins in the back right and you're tied for the lead. Sure, let's go for it. Let's get it back there. But if you go six inches too far, it's on the 18th tee, and you make six with a good shot, by the way. So as a caddy, what do you do there? I think you have to protect going long and hope to par 18 and get in a playoff. But that decision has to be made just like that under intense scrutiny and intense pressure so at that point, he's reading Brooks. He's reading the yardage. Maybe they have a perfect yardage, and that happens a lot when players win, and you know that. Yeah, you get the looks. You bet. And and last week in, at the Bob Hope, I call it the Amex, Bill and I had in between yardages 50 times, I'd say, you know, to the wrong pin placement. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Claude, a lot of the players, the ball doesn't curve as much now, but they don't really like hitting easy shots into left pins. Not for the most part. Because they'll, they'll really tend to hang it out to the right. That's a really interesting statement. They don't. They don't. And they might not like hitting hard shots into right pin placements. So these are looks. And these Ricky has to know all of these tendencies with Brooks. And then he has to know them on the back nine on Sunday. Because that might be different than the... And so what Ricky's done with Brooks is brilliant. What Stevie did with Tiger, brilliant. Okay. And so you have to know so much about, and you have this much time to process this information. And you're expected, if they're asking you, if the player is asking you, oh. he's expecting you to be right. I don't think any, any, any of the golfing public has any idea how hard it is to caddy in the sense that you could ask, you could answer 999 of those questions correct and then give the wrong club on 18. There's no other profession in the world that you get a 99.9 .9 and maybe get fired. Maybe get fired. So the, the, the caddies are under intense pressure. Uh, that's why I loved watching uh, Barry and Chess and Hadley work because I know what it means. But I will tell you when I started caddying, there were a bunch of old caddies out there. Nick DePaul and Lee Lynch and these guys, they almost hated each other. They, because they didn't have all the information, you had to get your notes yourself. And I remember sitting in a bar, uh, I think we we're in Orlando, and a guy named uh, Roy, older caddy Roy, was caddying for Andy Bean. I'm not going to mention the caddy that I was sitting with because I don't like to 
knock him off their pedestal a little bit because he, he was a great caddy and he caddied for major winners and stuff. But Andy Bean hit this ball over the green. Now, I'm just sitting there. I'm watching it on TV. This guy went nuts with happiness that Roy gave him the wrong club. And I realized that they were actually competing like the old players were competing. See, they didn't really love each other back then. I said to David Graham one time, I said, why do you think you guys were so tough? He said, we weren't tough. We were broke. So those caddies were always broke. So they were actually happy if Big Griff pulled the wrong club. Because that man, he couldn't caddy, see? <laughs> guy's got no guts. He couldn't caddy. Well, it's not easy to pull the right club every time. You know? <laughs> um, we're talk we've talked about the, you know, how caddying is different today versus now. I mean, you've seen, I don't think there's probably in the last 40 years, I'm guessing up close, there isn't a great player that you haven't seen in the heat of the battle. Not many, yeah. I've seen right. and, and, and I'm talking because you've caddied in President's Cups with, within yeah. the Tiger generation. You yeah. caddied when Tiger was playing. So what is a common denominator, Billy, of all of the great players that you've been lucky enough to see? All the great champions, is there, is there something that they all have? I would say a great portion of them had the ability to take the information in that their caddy was giving them and then stand on their own two feet and make that decision. I've spoken to Fluff, Stevie, and Joe LaCava. All three of them have told me the Tiger was very easy to caddy for. Never blamed them one time for a bad club. So Tiger created an environment where it was okay to fail. So you can't, I always thought players that intimidated the caddy was, they were hurting themselves because now the caddy's always going to make a conservative call. So he doesn't get his ass chewed out. Uh, Joe and uh, Stevie and, and Fluff all told me that, you know, and Jay Haas was that way. You know, they want to stand on their own two feet. Now, there's some that like to be coddled, as you know. But I, I always felt they're really great ones. Um, old pro Frank Beard told me something. And you're out there, you're out there, and you see these great young players. He told me one time, this is before you had all the information, that he never met a great player that didn't trust his intuition. That's See, Lanny trusted his intuition when he said, no, if I peel a driver off that bunker, I can get it close. See, what I actually told him was the smart play. But he could feel, he could smell this shot. Forget visualize it. You could smell it, you know. And he just, he looked at me like, come on, I can knock this close. And he did it, you know. So I think, you know, golf is a solo sport. I, you know, I'm a big Ricky Fowler fan. I don't like this we stuff in interviews. I just don't. I don't know why. I just, uh, I'll tell you what you're my, old, tell you what my pet peeve is. I'll tell you what my pet peeve is. And I saw it this week and it drives me nuts is these putting stations that they all put up. How much of the green do they take up? Which kind of means I'm not allowed to putt at that hole, even though I'm trying to warm up before the round. I'm, I'm, that's your hole. Now, can you imagine what would have happened in the olden days? Guys would have been sculling chip shots into these players' heads. They would have been cut into these holes on purpose and making a scene and getting right up in their grill. 
Yeah. And say, listen, pal, you don't own this goddamn hole. <laughs> it's for all of us. But I think it's very selfish. I really do. I think it's in very poor etiquette. It's not a practice round. It's 15 minutes before the tournament, and you're looking for a hole to putt to, and you can't find it. And they got these elaborate things, and they got the levelers. And then you got the caddy and the player doing aim point from two and a half feet, and they're backing up like, you know, they're doing the Macarena or something. You know what I mean? It drives me, it drove me up a wall. I'll tell you that right now, boy. And I, I wish there was an old timer out there that would just start chipping balls into these people. <laughs> just bore one right into the guy's stomach. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was your hole. I didn't see your name on that hole, you know? So I think it's really poor etiquette. It's selfish and self centered. That's my rant for the day. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go to something. We'll go to something positive, Billy. What's the best shot you've ever seen in competition from a player you weren't caddying? Oh boy, that um, probably two, and it was because nobody else could do it. And you've seen that. You've seen yeah. it with Jay. Seen it with Tiger. Yeah. The first one was at uh, Augusta on the second hole. Jay was paired with uh, Sebi. What year? Oh, boy. It was in the, I, I want to say early 80s. Okay. And he drove it kind of down left center, but he drove it on the uh, down slope of one of those moguls. And the pin was over in the back left. So he got nothing. It's in the three iron. You know, if you can put it in the middle of green, it's a great shot. Yeah, because back then... You, they don't. You, I mean, when in the eighties, you were you would go into the some of those holes with longer clubs. Oh yeah, he's hitting a three iron now, and so I'm I'm you know I'm imagining what he's trying to do. I think he's going to try to hit something low, and maybe run it up in between the bunkers, and either bunker is going to be fine. Either yeah. bunker is fine. And he hits his shot, and as you know, there's some huge trees up there to the left. He hits it over the trees with a cut. <laughs> 300 feet in the air. And he stops it like 10 feet from the hole. Now, you couldn't get an L wedge. They didn't have L wedges back then. If you were, on the, if you were hitting an L wedge from the left side of the fairway from 80 yards, you couldn't have got it that close. So he, not only did you have to have the talent, you had to have the imagination but there was another factor. He had to have the guts to try it, the chops. The other one was, uh, it was right before they had the open, maybe a year or two before the open of Torrey Pines and they'd lengthened the course. So Jay's playing with Tiger the last round. You know, Jay's like 49 years old. Looks like he's got the head cover on his driver when he hits it compared to Tiger. What year is this? I, I'm going to say 04 maybe. Okay, 04, yeah. So I'm going to say it was maybe a year or two before they, they just lengthened it. Okay. It was a, yeah, unbelievably a cloudy, cold day at uh, Torrey Ponds. <clears throat> and Jay birdied 8, 9, and 10. And that put Tiger and Jay in about tied for fifth, but they were tied. You know, it's kind of cool just even hanging with the guy. And it was, I remember like it was yesterday, it was 237 downhill and the wind's coming in left to right. I mean, it's just everybody's nightmare. Elevated tee into the wind with a slice. And at the time, Jay had a five wood and a like a three iron, but it was like a two and a half iron. We are trying to figure out every way imaginable. Can we get a three iron on the front of the green and just try to make a par? 
because we don't want to hit the five foot up in the air because you can just see this thing floating over to the 13th street or something some big toe pop up over there or something you just no way are you seeing anything good even as a cadium come on put that thing 10 feet behind your right foot and finally jay being the cool guy that he is said well come on i'm a tour pro i should be able to hit the five foot so he hit a beautiful shot kind of drew it back into the wind pin high about 30 feet left of the hole pin high beautiful shot it was there the whole way and one thing i always loved about jay jay always knew who was better than him and he admired it jay hated getting beat by people he didn't think that were as good as him but he understood the watsons and trevino's jack tiger he knew that they had physical capabilities he didn't have <clears throat> not that he wanted to lose to him but he understood it so tiger took out this four iron and he hit this shot and i swear the club stopped at waist high you've seen him do it yeah. and dj can do it too he just does it differently. and he hit this thing it looked like it was about 20 feet off the ground <laughs> and it just started out at the hole and it stayed at the hole and it never got higher and he carried it in there about 12 feet from the hole and it was like the first time you saw a giraffe you didn't believe it you know and uh we were walking off the tee and i because jay would always do this he, he went to me how about that shot which was his way of saying i give so we get down there and uh jay's putting from the left tiger's lining up his putt and i i've always gotten along with tiger you know because i met him when he was young through your dad and I, I don't bother him. I never asked him for an autograph. I know how to leave him alone. And I know, but he's very nice to me. If he sees me, he couldn't be any nicer because I'm not a threat to him. I don't bug him, you know? And uh, so he's kneeling down, reading this putt. And I kneel down next to him. And I said, you know, Tiger, you really haven't been on tour that long, really. I said, uh, you might not want to be looking in our bag on par threes. We're shot makers. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes with a he's got a great smile when he smiles when he's in comfort zone he with those big smile of his he said man i didn't know they made fairway woods it went that short <laughs> <laughs> but if i if i can tell one more story tommy lamb who used to caddy for bob Goldby, then he went on to jay at this point he's caddy for faction and they're tied with tiger going the last round of bay hill <laughs> you know what kind of a shot maker's paradise <laughs> and i gotta preface this story by i think the next week was maybe the players tiger shot 66 brad shot 75. tiger told jay he said i saw the worst round of golf i've ever seen in my life on sunday with brad faction the worst ball strike and he said as i was going back home i went through brad's round he shot 75 and i i thought if i had my best short game ever i would have shot 81. And he shot 75. so i kind of heard th this story didn't think much of it so i don't know a year or so later i said to tommy lamb one time i said how do you get you get paired with tiger much you get along with him? oh it's great so let me tell you the story about bay hill well i've already kind of heard this story he said, Brad Faxon playing, you can't even believe, Bill, where he's, he's hitting in the concession stands. He's hitting it all over the place. He's shooting 90. And we get to the last hole, and somehow we're still in third place. And as you know, that's a, you can make anything on that hole. He says, in my mind, I'm begging him to drive it in the rough 
So we can pitch out, and the worst we're going to make is five, <laughs> and we're going to get fourth place, see? And I'm going to drive out of there and hope I don't get arrested. So we're between six and seven iron, and he's, I'm not giving him a seven iron. I, <laughs> no way, because he didn't hit a ball. So I talk him into six, and he hits his only solid shot of the day, and it carries into the back bunker, which is fine with me, because I know he's going to get it up and down. So I run up to pick up the divot, and somebody hits me on the calf with a, a club. And I look up, and it's Tiger. He said, Tiger's got a big smile on his face and said, I bet you didn't see that shot coming. <laughs> he said, how do you caddy for this guy? <laughs> and Tommy said, just the way I did, safety first. You know, so um, as you know, the interactions between the players is oh. cool. I always wanted to be on the bench at a baseball game or in the dugout or on the football game. And when you're a caddy or a coach, you are the bench. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Dunlop, an amateur winning a PGA Tour event. Um, what a story. And, and I, thought the, uh, I thought he was going to struggle, and he had a little wobble. But, I mean, JT and Sam Burns were the ones that were struck down the stretch. I think it's all you need to know about golf. Um, when I met Jay Haas... He told me his story. His first Westchester Classic, Lex Alexander, was over at Wingfoot. So he went over to see Lex. He never met my dad, so you can imagine what that was like. <laughs> and he said, boy, your dad was great to me. I couldn't believe how much he knew about my amateur career. I said, no, that was his business. He knew who was good, you know. And uh, he was giving a lesson. He didn't turn that grip over, you know, and he was doing it. He was imitating my dad with his hands. You know, he had a plaid coat on and striped pants and everything. And... Uh, he said he, he was getting ready to leave. I was sitting in a cart with him. He kind of hit me. He said, all right, get out of here. I got to go. And he said he started to drive off and he stopped. And he said, Jay, I just got one thing to tell you. He said, I don't know what he meant. That's why I'm asking you. I said, what's that, Mr. Harmony? He says, the club and ball don't know your name. And he left. And so he said, uh, what did that mean? He said that actually was his way of saying you can be as good as you want to be because Nicholas and Palmer and Watson and Trevino, they don't have a patent on shooting 67. They're not the only ones that can do it. So the club and ball doesn't know who's swinging the club. And, and that was his way of saying you're good and believe in yourself. Well, the club and ball didn't know he was an amateur. Yep. Now, the beauty of golf, and you know this, is no matter how good you are, you have to perform every shot. Every shot. Sam Burns, world-class player. World-class player. You know what? He made two bad swings. You know what? It's happened to every player that's ever lived. You make wrong, bad swings at the wrong time. And the club and ball didn't know that Dunlop was an amateur. And he made good swings. And he grinded it out. But you you came up with the key there. It was a passing comment, but it wasn't. He overcame adversity early on. And that's what you can't teach. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That part. As soon as it happened, oh, he's going to start faltering. You know what? He didn't. Yeah. That beautiful little pitch shot on eight, you know, in there like that. And as you know, as a coach, sometimes the nerves will show on pitch shots. Yeah where you got to have great touch. And he came right back, hit a beautiful shot. So your comment was passing, but to me it wasn't. It meant that he had whatever it took inside. And I'm not too sure you can teach that. You can make people better at it, but the people that have it naturally, 
I don't know. You know, Brooks is the only player I've seen since Tiger that will say, I'm, I'm going to win this thing tomorrow in a major championship. And he two, has that in No, he does. And he's the only one that will say it. And it bothers people because then he backs it up. But I don't think you can teach that. You told me that when he came on tour, he's not afraid of anything. No, he never he has been. to pick him for the President's Cup team. We had a conversation. I know. We, we tried to had, get it. Hadn't done enough, at, you know, for whatever reasons, whatever. But you said that to me. See, I remember this stuff because I actually look at people's insides more now than I look at their swings. Yeah. You know why? Because you can't be on tour and have a bad swing. <laughs> you really can't. You, can. you can't be good enough to have one of those 200 cards and have a bad swing. Now, it might not look good. It might not have, well, you know, the, as uh, an old pro from the Northwest, Jerry uh, Mould said, one, you know, some Sam Sneed would have, they would have thought he had a bad swing when the symmetry police showed up and started drawing lines, you know. So I, I'm a, I have such respect for the talent of these players. It's unbelievable how good they are, don't you think? Yeah, and, and it is. I mean, they're, they're coming out how good they are. younger and younger. And they, I mean, I, I've said this a lot um, recently. There's no apprenticeship now. I mean, you remember when you played, right. when, when, you, when you were trying to play, when my dad was playing, and then when you were caddying early, if somebody was a rookie, there was a two to three year apprenticeship, maturation, needed to learn the ropes. Tournaments, boy, they're good. And, you know, and, and it's not like Jay Haas, when he turned pro, he'd won a boatload of college tournaments. He'd yeah, won, he won the NCAA. What, I mean, it was a, an amazing book, but I think the kids, this generation, they have so much access to information, to fitness, fit, but they just have so much more and they, they can dial the equipment in to basically just match whatever they do. And they have no fear. They just don't because I haven't been to a tour event in quite a while. Um, and you're out there all the time. So it, maybe when, um, pick up on it as much as I do. There was a time when there were about four or five players when they were on the range, you knew that the sound of their ball was different. Yep. And your back could be to them. And you'd say that's Tigers hit an iron shot over there. Yeah. Or that's Trevino buzzing some wedge. It could even be a wedge. And Bill was on the range first day practice round hitting balls and there's a guy about 15 yards away but he was kind of a, a little bit in front of me so i couldn't really see who it was and i'm telling you this ball was coming off his club and this guy was this strapping looking guy and i'm watching these shots and i'm listening to them and they are just so good wyndham clark u.s open yeah. Yeah. and i said wow Hey, I didn't even recognize him. I've never seen him in my life other than on TV. And plus, he was ahead of me. So all I could see was his back. And I was just like, wow, this is what the game has become. It's really something. The, the quality of golf today is uh, incredible. And I believe that they do set the courses up too easy for the abilities that they have. I really do. See, I don't, I don't really like watching 30 under, to be honest. I don't like no, watching people driving a wedge. I just don't like it. You know, Wingfoot, a great player, had a great week. DeChambeau, only guy that broke par. Yep. And and you know what? Tied for 10th, six over. See? And Wingfoot played short. Remember the ball? It was did. Running? It was running. No, it, was. it was up, but it was running. He didn't drive and wedge to the ninth hole, 600 yards. <laughs> 
<laughs> but they made you drive it straight. They made you plan from there. So I don't really like watching 30, 35 under. I really don't. I like to see uh I like to see somebody have to make four pars on four hard holes coming in to win a tournament. That's what yeah. I like. And so I, I've kind of become disenchanted with watching pro golf and I'm disenchanted with all the noise and all that stuff. And, and, and I, um, uh, I've lost a little bit of, I just, every holes are driving a wedge and every hole, <laughs> every part fives are driving a six iron. I don't know. It's just, and they can all do it. It's yeah. not like one guy's doing it. Everybody hits it long, you know? Yeah. Bill hits it 300 yards and he's like 130th. <laughs> oh, it's a joke, Billy. <laughs> it really is. We were playing with Shoffley and Cantley in a practice round, and, and you know, Bill says, Yeah, they're, you know, it doesn't look like much. They're 20 yards ahead of me, but that's two clubs. Yeah. You know, they're going to get their wedge closer than my seven iron in the course. Every time. First four rounds, it's a kind of a mismatch, you know? So, but you see it and you're, you're part of it and you teach it and you know, the power game. And so it's cool for me to watch it, uh, up close. And, and I have great respect for how good they are. They're really good. Yeah. And you're going to, I mean, the story in caddying for bill this week or last week, and then getting to caddy for Jay with all the history at, um, Newport country club. It's, um, it's, it's a pretty special life that you, you've been lucky enough to live. Well, I've said this a lot, and I'm old enough to look back on it and, and realize this. You're kind of in the middle of it, and I hope you realize it. At all the Harmon brothers and you at our core, we're pretty ordinary people. And we've lived an extraordinary life because of golf. Yeah, we really have. And forget your accomplishments as a teacher. I don't like the word accomplishments. I like the word experiences. You know, I, I saw you when uh, Brooks wanted Aaron Hills. And I saw you hop in the cart. I didn't think about how much money you made and all that stuff or how much money you made. I, I thought about how cool that must have been. That cart ride. Now, I mean that. And those are the things that you're going to remember, I believe. Uh, when, when my dad was dying, I was in the... Uh, hospital room more than one time i wasn't too sure how what he was going to say to me <laughs> i'm sure your brother butch wasn't either when he was alone and he was the opposite of what i thought and he said to me <clears throat> and i'll never forget this he said you know bill i lay here and i know what's going to happen and i can honestly tell you i never think about one of the masters i never think about being the pro wingfoot or summon all that stuff all i think about is family and friends all the other stuff that i thought was important is stuff but that ride in the cart, that's important. It is. It is. You, know, you get a big check and you get all this stuff, and that's great. But uh, was that your first major with him? Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, see, so, and I knew that. And so when I look at that stuff, those are the things that you're going to remember. You'll spend the money, you know, eventually one of your Rolexes will break and you'll have to get it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but you never forget that moment. And that's what it really is all about to me. Thank you for saying that. It's been great talking to you, Zietz. We, we, right, yeah. we missed you, and uh, we'll hope to see you soon. And good job last week. Okay, I'll, I'll accrue a lot of stories in the next three years when you have me on again. 
You got it. <laughs> All right, I love you, brother. See you. So that was my uncle, Billy Harmon. Um, Billy was always my favorite uncle. And, um, you know, when you get to talk to someone, you know, he's in his early, he's in his early 70s. He's been around the game his entire life. He has seen so much of golf instruction. He was a great player. But I thought his insight into kind of caddying and what it kind of takes, what it's like. Um, as I said in the intro, Billy is a golf instructor. That's what he's known for. But the DNA of of who he is as as a, as a, as, a, as a person was forged by the years that he caddied on the PGA Tour. And anytime I can talk to somebody like Billy, that kind of old school kind of Ray Cantor type, you know, storytelling. It's just, it's amazing for me. And, and, and I think you can hear how much I was laughing in, in, in the interview. Um, Billy's always been uh, my favorite uncle. Um, he's been out of all my dad's brothers. He's been easily been the most supportive of, of me in my career. And, you know, I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me. And um, I think it's just a cool story. I, I mean, he's had a very unique life. Uh, he's battled addiction and, you know, he has turned his life around and, you know, he, he is a deep, deep thinker and uh, hope everybody enjoyed that one because I know I did. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.